we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, Co-host Mike One here. We have a fun episode today, the second part of our two-episode arc with Swell Entertainment. Amanda from Swell Entertainment is coming to you. We will be reviewing New Mutants soon. Uh, We needed to start off today, though, obviously. Big news that broke over the weekend and actually just broke when we got off the heels of one of our last recordings uh, that we haven't really had a chance to talk about at all. Uh, Everybody knows about it by now, and it's rocked the film world and just the world at large. It's been headline news. Unfortunately, the passing of Black Panther lead actor Chadwick Boseman, who was so much more than just the Black Panther lead uh we wanted to talk about that a little bit today like i said i am co-host mike one co-host also mike here to talk a little bit about it as well yeah this one hit us like a ton of bricks uh i guess it was it was known to him obviously and his family that you know he was suffering from this i'm sure a lot of the productions had to work with him on this because in between you know chemotherapy in between surgeries they were they were working with him and he was working with production so that he can get these films made it's just another testament to what a heroic spirit this man had it's not just something that was faked in a movie you know here is this guy trying to be this role model for the youth of america for the black youth mm-hmm. of america and the world and to to start a new paradigm for movie heroes as yeah. as, as a centerpiece of, of any great story and here he is you know living that heroic lifestyle in between chemotherapy treatments i i think his legend grows based yeah. on that fact i i can't believe he put himself through this to get us this entertainment i'm just so devastated for the everybody yeah i i your lips i obviously i commend and agree with everything i've been sick about this uh since it happened but i mean he's a guy that i know every time somebody passes no you know only good things are said about them but he was a guy that everybody only had good things to say throughout his entire career and throughout his time in the spotlight uh and you could just see him like you said kind of relishing the the relishing the opportunity to bring activism to the screen i mean he not only did this paradigm shift like as you call it with taking on the role of Black Panther, which shattered all sorts of box office records. And we saw the hope that instilled in all sorts of people all across this country and worldwide. Uh, he did. He was Thurgood Marshall on screen. He was Jackie Robinson on screen. He was James Brown on screen. He, was, he brought his activism to the screen. And what's shocking to me is what's most obvious, and you already hit on this, but the amount of people who didn't know anything was wrong with him. I mean, Ryan Coogler just penned an op-ed for The Hollywood Reporter today saying basically he wasn't aware oh, no. that Chadwick Boseman was suffering from this. So it's it's just, or at least not aware up to a point, but it's just, I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable that in this age of social media and this age of we need to know everything about every star and every celebrity and everyone wants to be famous in their own right, that we had this guy who was uber famous, who had this pure heart of gold, who cared deeply about being an activist and was suffering so much in silence. It's unbelievable to me. And, and I mean, gone too soon isn't even nearly appropriate enough for what the, the impact that this guy had and the type of person he seemed to be. And you can't help but think about the timing, right? I know it's not necessarily yeah. the most appropriate thing, but... It's the first thing I thought of, Mike, to be honest. I, I know it's the, you're right. It's not most appropriate, but it's the first thing I thought. I'm of. thinking about our times that we're living in and what yep. the black community's been through. And I just feel exponentially even more terrible yep. that this heroic persona, that this movie star, their movie star, the quintessential future of the business 
for for African Americans, uh, the representative of a billion dollar franchise, a new franchise that should make you know x amount of sequels, seven, eight sequels if they really wanted to, Mike. And this is just a devastating for the industry. Never mind. Uh, for for that community and I, uh, with everything they've been through, why now? Why does this have to happen now? And you just feel so terrible for everyone involved. This uh, year can go to hell, quite frankly. I mean, I know it's 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 cliche to say, and everyone's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a joke, but this has been one of the most brutal years uh, for a litany of reasons, and this certainly adds to it. And I, I don't I don't say that to minimize Chadwick Boseman, the man or the performer or the activist whatsoever. He was a titan and people can only dream of accomplishing so much as he did in his short time here with us. I, I mean, you see stories still about he was in the hospital and whether he was there for himself or whether he was there just to visit kids celebrating birthdays of kids with cancers and throwing confetti. for. And it's just like my I, like. I don't know how you don't tear up and get sentimental over yeah. this thing. I mean, this seemed like a genuinely, genuinely good person taken far too soon, fighting this battle in silence, in private. I, I just can't imagine. Our hearts obviously go out to not only his family, but everyone. I mean, just absolutely everyone. I, I, I said that on Twitter. This I'm like, I'm just so sorry to so many people because yeah. of what this guy meant. I, I can't agree more, and it's just... It's a, it's a rough way to start this episode, Mike, but I know we have a fun episode planned, and I'm sure we'll get into the ins and outs of what this effect is going to be on the, on the industry in terms of his tragic passing. Uh, luckily, we have future films from Chadwick Boseman to still look forward to. Luckily, we have a great filmography to study and to celebrate, and a lot of his films are excellent, and we've reviewed yeah. some of them on this, on this program before, and we'll review more of them as we go along, and his work really does speak for itself, so... Everybody can stand in pride and stand in power at this, you know, man's example. So we, there is that. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, you know, I'm struggling to come up with words, and I'm so far uh, away from the actual events that I, I can't imagine other people that, that are close to him going through this. So our hearts go out to everybody. Like you said, there is never a way to pivot from such a tragedy, and especially with somebody so awesome. Uh, we do, though have what we think should be a fun show today uh and like i said at the top amanda from swell entertainment she was nice enough to join us for two shows this is going to be the second of those shows and we're going to share some laughs and we're going to try to be uplifting and hopefully serve as a much needed distraction as we've tried to be for the last couple months quite frankly with some of the things going on in this world uh chadwick boseman's passing not the least of those but amanda is joining us once again uh we are going to talk about new mutants and that's why we had her on the first time to talk about production stories from hell michael yeah, that was a great episode, an infamous episode of MMO Now. <laughs> the film sets from hell with swell. It's easy. It's cooler to read than it is to say, I think, although it comes off pretty well when it's not me saying it, I guess. But hey. yeah, one of the coolest and craziest production stories, behind the scenes stories we have ever heard swell told us in that episode to finish that episode uh i i can't get over the how she knew that it's an urban legend it's, it's unbelievable something she 
heard on the ground there. It's, and it's something that if you reach research, it rings true with like the whole mythology from James Cameron's Titanic. So the biggest movie, the best story about that biggest movie, she told it on our show. So we felt blessed <laughs> from that. But guys, make sure you subscribe to her YouTube channel. She does product reviews, movie and show reviews, event reviews, commentary videos. Some of her latest video topics include Logan Paul, Netflix. I just watched uh, a video from a little while ago on Quibi. She got it, so we don't have to. That's definitely yeah. a thing she does. So subscribe to that channel. It's blowing up. We're really, really excited to have her back today. Yeah, I gleefully call her the check on all the influencer culture that goes on in social media today because that is one of her big staple uh, programs is I got it or I tried it so you don't have to, <laughs> where she kind of tells you if these influencers are just hawking things for the ad revenue or if they're hawking products that actually work. So uh, we could not be more delighted and happy and like we said, uh, much needed uh, at this time that we're all kind of going through that Amanda from Swell is going to join us for a second time today. We're giving you the New Mutants review. God help all of us. We will see you guys on the other side. The reason you survived is because you're a very uncommon girl. All right, once again joining us today, Amanda from Swell Entertainment for round two, covering the New Mutants. Amanda, thank you for part two of this. Thank you for bringing me back. I don't know if I was going to be invited back, so thank you. <laughs> After that story you told us the first time? Are you kidding me? So we have uh, a theme running for your uh collaborations with us right now we are talking about film sets from hell we came up with that title to rhyme with your name and i think this one is notorious now i think we're going to discuss the new mutants as being a movie that there was a lot of rumors about and we're kind of wondering what's true and what's not true so for today's kind of production profile we wanted to discuss this film set from hell, and I have kind of what I think is the studio sanitized version, the studio approved <laughs> version. So by all means, guys, if you have other juicier details, do tell. Swell, if you know of any you know, drugs being used here, <laughs> tell that as, as well. As far please. as I can hear, there were no drugs. That's impossible okay. to be true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. No mass drugging. How about that? Fair. No mass drugging. Okay, but we're going to speculate on other drug use. Yes. Okay. Guys, back in 1983, the New Mutants graphic novel and the comic series comes out. Uh, this was designed to be a spinoff to the crazy popular X-Men comic series back in the 80s there. And similarly, when the films... Uh, hit a peak kind of with uh, Days of Future Past that was rebounding from past success of the uh, original trilogy. We get an $800 million film with Days of Future Past. When that happens, they're emboldened once again to try the New Mutants and try the spinoff there at Fox Marvel. Yeah, why not squeeze that for every drop of a penny that it could possibly get out of this franchise? So, Amanda, what is your connection at least to, I guess, the X-Men comics or the cartoon or just the movies? Or was this merely your fascination with film sets and productions that are quagmired and just awfulness? Oh, I've always been into comics. I have dyslexia, and that was like one of the things that kept me reading when I was in middle school was like, you know, pretty pictures, and I, there's less words, so this is great. Oh, no, um, that's cool. <laughs> but as far as, like, X-Men specifically, I didn't really get into the X-Men comics until I was older, so I, this is, I'm really not familiar with the New Mutants comics to begin with. Are you now, though? Do you feel like you have a better understanding <laughs> of them after this? Oh, gosh. Um, not in the way that I think the movie would want me to have an understanding. Um, so that's, <laughs> there's that. 
Um, but as far as like the X-Men movies, like I saw, I loved the original movies going growing up and like seeing all those. So if you were to audition for this director job, you would be all about the previous films. Well, I, these two directors, or the director and writer, they were childhood friends, loving the comics, loving the New Mutants comics specifically, which is why I brought that up to start today. But Josh Boone, who did uh, The Fault in Our Stars, and Nate Lee, who spells his name with a K-N, by the way, they team up and they take panels from all the comics, right? And they make up a, basically a set of storyboards to pitch themselves as the writer-director team for a trilogy of films. This pitch works. I guess you can say that the $300 million box office hit of The Fault in Our Stars kind of helped Josh Boone and friend Nate with a KN get the job as well, but they were hired as the directing team for New Mutants. Yeah, that's basically the same way that Mike and I pitched ourselves to convince Amanda to come on for both these episodes. <laughs> you guys did a collage. And like... <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a, one of those uh, mood boards, you know, the dream yes. boards that you're always taught to do. You just that's... you just linked me to your Pinterest board. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> so what are you more attached to? Are you more attached to the comic book world or is something like the, the YA, the those novels, the Fault in Our Stars novels and the, the movie adaptations thereof more appealing to you? I was an insecure teenage girl. Of course, I was attached also to the <laughs> YA world. Um, no, but as far as like, I mean, I, I saw The Fault in Our Stars. I didn't read the book, which is like sacrilege for me. But, you know, um, as far as like, I don't know. I understand why that may have given him clout, more so the price tag and what it brought in. Right. And why that helped him here, less than the actual movie itself. Right. Well, this movie's not going to do as well as The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> How dare just- you, sir? Make that clear right now. Uh, We'll get into the box office a little later. Anyway, you have longtime X-Men movie producers, Simon Kinberg, Lauren Schuler, Donner. They come on board with Boone and Lee, Nate Lee with a KN there again. So you got the team assembled. The original script includes Professor Xavier and Storm, much like the comics and their, their origin story there. And it's designed to be a very specific take on the story. I I think they were emboldened by the genre success, whatever genre Deadpool is. They were emboldened by the different kind of film that Deadpool was and when it became a box office hit. So we have, I guess, I, I took it as Josh Boone wanting a prestige horror film here. And there's a lot of talk about who wanted the YA movie? And obviously he's a YA director after The Fault in Our Stars, but the studio suits were saying, we want this to be the breakfast club in a hospital setting of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, you know, with influences like 1980s horror film, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Just three of the most cinematic classical in their genre films of all time <laughs> all combined together. How easy is that to do? That's not a tall oh, order I mean, it makes sense why they wanted the YA element, considering like they want to keep an audience that's going to grow with the characters. So banking mm-hmm. on the younger audience with the YA element was probably smarter on paper. And there's parts to that that I think were successful. Like I don't, my running theme for this review, and, and I guess this is a tease more than anything, is yeah, this movie's bad, but I expected so much worse. So it, I agree. It kind of, right, right. So like I'm, I'm gonna be hard on it but I, I think i was expecting to be uh, harder which is uh, a fault in my words but I, I i expected worse than it was and i'm kind of okay with it but i guess if you were the studio amanda right and you're trying mm-hmm. to get this 
amalgamation of Dream Warriors meets Cuckoo's Nest meets <laughs> all these other YA movies and horror movies combined. W- would your first move be to turn to a writer director who says he doesn't like horror movies at all? No, because I totally understand. I to- I completely understand being like, you know what? I want to do something different with this genre. I want to try new things. But I think that there are certain key elements to a horror movie that all classic horror movies have or coined, and you can't like turn your back on those completely because then you don't know what you're making. Because <laughs> right, then it's not a horror movie. I, yes. I agree with you. And Boone apparently has been saying he's not a fan of horror movies, uh, except for the classics like The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, and The Shining. So again, uh, a couple red flags early on in just the setting up of this film, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the red flags certainly continue because X-Men Apocalypse is thrown into the mix here, guys. And apparently... There was supposed to be a stinger scene in X-Men Apocalypse that would set up this franchise or the future of this franchise with Antonio Banderas as a force of evil in here. Now, this force of evil would ultimately play out in the movie Logan under, you know, a different actor. But there's just a writing content mess that we're about to get into as well. See, I, I, I always think these movies are just like the group projects from hell because there's never any cohesion. Which is yeah. essentially what this production sounds like. I mean, it sounds like the studio and Boone went back and forth and they were just pitching different ideas and bringing in people, and I'm sure we'll touch on it, but it's just that this was, I think that's a great way of putting it. This was a group project where it's everyone did too much as opposed to the one person who does nothing instead. Yeah, capitalizing on one trendy movie or one box office hit after another and in their minds trying to fuse them all together to make one super ginormous hit. Uh, It never works that way. (laughs) Which it knocked out of the park, quite frankly. Did either of you two stay to see if there was an after credit scene for this one, knowing that it's a Marvel property? And get COVID? (laughs) No. I was at a drive-in and I wanted to not be stuck in a line trying to leave the lot for two hours. So I just booked it the moment I could. Smart girl. (laughs) I looked up online. There isn't one if anyone is going to see this after this review, by the way. So don't bother sticking around. Yeah, I kind of figured that was the case. because they, what, would they you, want... what would you do? Oh, wait, I, I'll save that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to save that. question. I'm going to save that. <laughs> but they want to distance themselves, Disney Marvel, with the Fox Marvel. So I would have been surprised if they would have tried to carry it on. And Anyway, guys, we have two major developments that influenced the writing of this film, like I was talking about. We have the success of Deadpool. And second, we have the failure of of X-Men Apocalypse, which was a bomb at the box office at the end of the day. So as a result, we have Fox Marvel executives demanding a much less riskier play. And I think, Mike, you know, we were talking about this in the pre-production. They were trying to go more Breakfast Club and less horror movie for a brief time before they went back to horror movie. But here's what happens, Amanda. We have seven new writers take a pass at the script and... And an eventual writer's room of six additional writers. So that's 13 new writers here are brought in for this production. And right before production, because, you know, Apocalypse fails in 2016 and 2017 in July is the production. So right before production, you bring in 13 new writers. How bad is the movie already that you like that they felt, okay, we haven't touched the film yet. We haven't started production. We need to workshop this immediately, though. (laughs) Like, we don't know if the script is bad, because there must have been something in the original script where they were like, oh, dear God, this failed. This will tank. So what was that? 
I wonder if it was just hubris, like, like at that, it was like we can't do any wrong with this property. Let's greenlight this actually impossible to pull off movie with these heroes that nobody has any attachment to or basically knowledge of outside of this one comic, and it'll just make us money because everything X Men makes us money right now. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I saw Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors. Did you either? You guys remember that movie? I saw it years ago. Vividly, I remember it, yes. Okay, so is that like a great, you know, cult classic horror film that everybody needs to love? It's the only Freddy sequel worth worth watching. Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, it's 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 held in pretty high regard. Because I was just about to blame it as what was not translating <laughs> to these suits. You, know, you could still blame suits. it for, for this happening, yeah. but yeah, that's the Patricia Arquette one that uh, kind of reinvigorated the franchise and is responsible for getting us Freddy's, you know, 30 through 72. Ah, so, all right. So maybe that was a uh, selling point to the super suits, but all right, we have this YA cut this first disaster cut of the movie after the July to September production, right? And this cut is infamous now. Do you guys have any more information on this cut, how bad it was? You know, Mike, Amanda, would you want to see this cut, this YA disastrous first cut of the movie? Yes, only because I want to see if they fleshed out the individual characters of the mutants more. If oh, like you, you if didn't that feel makes attachment sense to any of these characters that had no dialogue and no backstories given whatsoever? No. Like there was only <laughs> there's really only one character I was like where's their movie? Like what the heck is this? <laughs> like I'd rather watch this. And like I mean I don't want to get into spoilers or anything, so I'll save more thoughts, but it's like I don't know. I would I would want to see it just because I want to see if it was truly infinitely worse or if it did here have a clear direction. Yeah, morbid curiosity was going to be my answer as well. I, just to kind of see how tonally obtuse, I guess, mm-hmm. would that version have been compared to what they were aiming for? Because what we got is not good. Again, I mean, they, they still missed the mark widely. Yeah, It's not a good sign when your director is talking about the production of, you know, a couple months worth of, you know, making the movie over the summer, etc., and they asked him, well, how did you feel? He's like, it was stressful, and I felt uh, (laughs) neutered. I felt neutered because I had a full horror idea, and they went away from that. But all right, so we have this YA movie that was cut. It's a disaster, and then a couple different things happened. Number one, a huge behind-the-scenes maneuver from 20th Century Fox to sell their studio to Disney and all the properties thereof. We have... Delays for Dark Phoenix, that goes to 2019. This movie, which was put off twice already, is now put off beyond Dark Phoenix. There are contentious negotiations. There's posturing by the Disney CEO when he's talking to their uh, shareholders that Mike and I covered on our pod later on after the purchase, where they're like, all of these Fox properties suck and Mm. the new mutants may never come out. Uh, Basically... Disney Marvel is trying to distance themselves from everything Fox Marvel and all. And so they can basically reboot the X-Men characters. Right, Mike? (laughs) Well, again, why not get all the money you can? When the first trailer dropped for this, which feels like in the late 90s at this point, but it was actually (laughs) three years ago. Were you excited, Amanda? Were you looking forward to this? Was there, again, any kind of when we before we knew what a train wreck this was behind the scenes? Were you interested in this? I mean, I remember seeing it and being like, God, I didn't recognize what it was. 
even like I think they showed us maybe like a glimpse of like one of the powers or something like that but like I didn't recognize that it was a superhero comic book movie until the final like 10 seconds of the trailer right which is never a good sign like you because I mean I'm sorry if you're in a theater if you look around you when a uh, comic book trailer is playing there are people leaning forward in their seats they are so Mm -hmm. excited someone's bouncing up and down someone's punching the air you don't get that when you watch this trailer I did that in my seat watching this movie just but again (laughs) I'm a a masochist so you're rooting for everybody to slip on the banana peel though big big fan of schadenfreude over here (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of terrible movies dark phoenix is a flop an absolute flop and i'm I'm sorry mike i know you were kind of half excited for that one i was so excited (laughs) i did predict that that movie was going to be the worst movie ever and it was anyway we have disney marvel basically trying to salvage the situation with the new mutants they kind of take care of this project again and they basically say to josh boone all right let's go with your original idea and he's since said in a lot of interviews that basically disney let him just finish the movie but he couldn't really finish it because he had a big slate of things that he was doing he was doing the uh, miniseries for Stephen King's The Stand, and he hires some editors to work for him and kind of get the VFX going for the New Mutants while he's working on other projects. And finally, in the winter of 2020, Michael, he is back in the post-production room to get this out for a March 2020 release. And then, of course, the pandemic hits. The movie gets delayed till April, then July, then August. I know... Amanda, on your show, you kind of you, you make fun sometimes when you're like, I know talking about this is going to end up putting me on a blacklist somewhere, but I'm still <laughs> going to do it anyway, which I respect. Um, and with that in mind, this is going to forever put me in the bad graces of Josh Boone. But why is Josh Boone being entrusted with all these legendary properties off of off yeah. the success of The Fault in Our Stuff? Like, The Stand is a big deal as far as TV lore goes. New Mutants, anything X-Men and Marvel is a big deal in cinematic yeah. lore. The, the Fault in Our Story shouldn't equate to these opportunities, should it? Or am I missing something? He did take a... $12 million budget and turn it into $312 million. Talking about kids True. with cancer, <laughs> not kids with superpowers. True. And also it was a beloved YA novel from a beloved author. So that's true. That yeah, absolutely. Too. So it's like, but that is, that was, people were wonder. I think that's a, a touchy subject matter. And also an adaptation is something nowadays that I think is hard to get right with a, a novel to a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's I think point. that he was able to make it profitable was a very big vote of confidence for Hollywood with him. So it was just the success of that one movie and that he's able to write his own kind of way now into the industry. I mean, I think some people are just schmoozers. Who knows what he's doing behind the scenes? <laughs> Who knows? I like, it. I like it. Now, that was kind of the bare bones studio approved version. Swell, in the pre-production conversation, you had some something to add and I forget what it was. What did I miss? Oh, so it was my understanding, because I remember in 2018, when it was first announced that they were going to delay everything and do reshoots, the reshoots were pitched as there's going to be more horror elements added, and a whole new character was added, and I don't remember any of the details about that, just that everyone was like, oh, this movie's going to be a mess. Like, Mm -hmm. they're adding a whole nother character, and then the murder happened. They basically couldn't touch this movie for a year and a half. And Boone himself said in an interview that the reason that the trailers now, the newer trailers, have more special effects in them is that they couldn't do anything. They couldn't touch the movie for like a year and a half. Right, so now they have sense. everything done. 
But then also he said, yeah, because of the merger, none of the reshoots happened because we couldn't touch the movie, but also everyone got older. All the actors are older now, so the reshoots wouldn't have even worked. So it's like you're putting out a movie you're already not happy with because you were going to add a whole new character. You knew you were missing at least a major point to the story. In some twisted way, with all of that going against it, isn't the pandemic and having this opportunity that can be one of the first movies back in the theaters... Again, I mean, I know the pandemic has been terrible, but in a twisted, backwards way, it's one of the maybe saving graces that could have happened for this type of thing, isn't it? We all have lowered expectations after coming off a worldwide, uh, you know, crisis, and therefore we don't need a great movie right now, and we might be tearing up just because we're in the movie theaters and we're that sappy. That didn't happen to me. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I mean, personally, um, early, early on, um, I can't talk about details of this, but my dad and I were actually able to go to a test screening um, right when everything started opening up again here in California. And -hmm. it was the only test showing that One Iota did before everything had to shut down again. But we were able to go see this movie in a complete work in progress stage. Like, I can't tell you anything about it, but... Mm. Just complete work in progress, but it was a better movie than this, <laughs> and it had so much of it. They like they then said they themselves said like this, the story's not fleshed out, CGI is not done, this isn't done, and it was just a better experience <laughs> than going to see this movie. We're, we'll go against Josh Boone together, Amanda. You and I can be on a shit list <laughs> till the end of time together. <laughs> So we do finally get New Mutants. It comes out August 28th from 20th Century Studios. They are the distributor under Disney. It has a $67 million budget, which, why and where? That but seems okay. like a very specific number. Why 60? Like, where did the 67 come in? I just Anya Taylor. Like, it's all the Anya Taylor joy. Oh, and, true. And Macy Williams off the Game of Thrones. If you want to use my likeness in this thing, you got to give me another kickback, maybe. I don't know. But 67, I mean, this didn't look like a $60 million movie to me at all. $12 yeah. million dollars for the movie, and then $55 million for the rights to Arya Stark. Right. <laughs> and the kid from Stranger Things. and <laughs> That's the biggest letdown is you have a cast that's of the moment and relevant and cool. And yeah, you couldn't do reshoots because they all grew older. But this is still a, a decent cast that they put together here that should have been able to draw interest. And with that in mind, they're going to make $7 million opening weekend domestically. So, okay, we kind of said it's not as terrible as we all thought. Did you find yourself having a good time watching this at least, Amanda, or was this all just kind of like a chore for you? It's definitely watchable, I would say that. Like, would I would I definitely be like, oh, I'm going to go see this again in theaters? No. But would I be angry if I had to watch it again? Probably not, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Does that make sense? I think that's exactly how I feel, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. How was your drive-in movie-going experience? Oh, so I go to a drive-in 40 minutes away from me, and I showed up two hours early just to make sure that I could get in. Because if I didn't get in to see it Friday, I was going to have to road trip to Arizona (laughs) to go see this movie at a different drive-in because it wasn't showing at any other point in any other Southern California theaters. And I don't want to drive into Northern California where there's fires. So (laughs) I had to pick 112 degree heat or literally being burned alive. So (laughs) I mean, we could have rescheduled. (laughs) (laughs) I'm committed. Okay. (laughs) What a trooper you are. So how is the theater experience over by you right now in Orange County? Is is everything, are in-person theaters shut down? 
As of right now, everything is still shut down. Um, I'm part of AMC A-List, so I get all of their emails. And mm-hmm. every, they kept saying, oh, we're going to open August 20th. And then nothing, no updates. Like, oh, here are these theaters that are open in your area. And then no showtimes, nothing's open. So it's like, y'all are clearly not keeping up to date on what the actual state guidelines are right now. So yeah, it's just drive-ins in my area, to my knowledge. That's crazy. I, I mean, with with Tenet coming out soon, like, I don't know how, with, if you don't have New York, which we know they don't have, and you don't have LA. Oh yeah, and Tenet, they, the production company specifically said, yeah, we're not giving Tenet to drive-ins unless the local theaters are open. Oh, makes shit. sense, makes sense. Well, uh, in terms of uh, Connecticut, I mean, we, we got some theaters open somehow, and I think, Mike, you were more worried than me, but even I was pretty worried. Like, I went with a jacket on it was 100 degrees out and i'm wearing a jacket just so i can put my mm-hmm. hands in my pockets and i'm i'm going to the mall movie theater with my mask i don't talk to anyone i just nod like a smiley man in this but i, I don't <laughs> talk to anyone i i basically go in there i sit down I, I cross my legs so that i can keep my hands on my legs so i'm not touching too much of the seat and i basically watch this entire film like a mummy but guys when i seen the imax screen turn on and I saw like the tenant trailer. I'm not gonna lie. I was legit like tearing up because <laughs> I hadn't seen a movie. I hadn't seen a movie since March, and I loved them so Sonny much. Sonny comes came home, is playing in the background. You just have a single tear running down your cheek. I'm gonna be crying like a baby during tenant tomorrow. I just I don't know what I'm gonna do. Were there a lot of people at the drive-in, Amanda? Oh God, yeah. And I'm glad I got there early. I was because there were people trying to cut in line because it was again the only theater in the area for like a 50 mile radius showing new mutants. And so it was just completely packed. And even 10, 20 minutes into the movie, there are people driving around still trying to find spots in front of the screen. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, that's where the $7 million opening weekend came from, huh? <laughs> yes. Mike, were there a lot of people in your theaters? No, there was like maybe 10 people in a gigantic theater, which I yeah. was happy about. But how about you? Now, number one, I have a few questions. How many people there? Yes, by way of a very weak and terrible transition. But more importantly, what were you dressed like? Because I <laughs> picture you right now going like the 1930s Invisible Man <laughs> in that costume. Uh, I used tongs to grab the water that I drank. No, I went with two masks. I wore gloves. Loves, uh, and I stayed the hell away from everybody. But I was until the like first or second trailer ended. I was the only person in the theater, so I thought I had the place myself, which I was thrilled about. And oh, I that's ended always up fun. Yeah, I, I was I was happy, especially because if I get this corona, I'm dead, as we've talked about on the show a couple times already. But uh, two people came in, and then another person came in, so it was me and three other people total hanging out watching New Mutants, which I was fine with. Okay, so basically, we're all saying it's not as bad as we feared, but it's not as good as we hoped. Amanda, I'm wondering if this movie-going experience can maybe fall into the category of a guilty pleasure for you. Any chance of that? Um, for the this particular movie? New Mutants. Is it a guilty no. pleasure? Or is there any <laughs> Just no. She's like, no. get out of here. No. Cat, cats was a guilty pleasure. I saw that four times. I had so much fun. It was a terrible what? movie. I had so much fun watching that movie. You this saw that the- abomination four times? <laughs> I, I loved making other people see it with me. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's... <laughs> That's kind of evil. That's you need to understand, I was a essays. theater student. I was a theater student, okay? So it's just that, like... <laughs> that doesn't make that okay! <laughs> Mike, did you have any pleasurable guilt associated with this? You have been listening to a lot of Madonna lately. I have so been, that's true. That's how I spend my free time. I, 
again, I didn't mind this movie. Like I, I was more bored than I was giddy with how awful it was. So I was yeah. expecting far worse, and I was kind of disappointed that I was bored for the first 45 minutes or so. I was like, oh, wow, they actually just made a bad movie as opposed to a horrible movie. So, I, I mean, I, again, if this is something that comes on TV, I could have it on in the background, no problem. I don't think it's really that bad. And there's not a lot of outright, oh, my God, can you look how terrible that was? Parse me. There's some, don't get me wrong, and we'll talk about them and have fun at their expense. But I, I was let down by how not offensive it was. Yeah, what was the rating? 46 Metascore. Yeah, I don't know if I... Oh, no, I'm talking about was it R or PG-13? It is a PG-13 movie. God, was it just me or did they say the F word a lot for it to be a PG-13? I heard it like two or three times. I thought you were allowed one. Oh, that's a good point. I I did not pick up on that. I was too worried about the -the on-the-nose metaphors for a girl (laughs) having a first period and a boy's first sexual experience. What if the MPAA just didn't watch it because they're like, this is going to be so bad. They didn't bother. Well, just whatever you want. You say PG-13, we'll take Bob your word Iger for it. Bob Iger was just, just like, just <laughs> let it go. <laughs> just show it yeah, and Yeah, because even if, like, if it was rated R, I would say, wow, they did nothing to earn that rating aside from swear words. Like, there was... Like nothing, like there, like even the horror elements were not enough to warrant an R rating. That's where I was going with this next. Was this scary at all to anybody? No. The Smiley Man a little bit. We'll get into that in oh, spoilers. Yeah. But you, I mean, you you guys are both horror movie buffs more so than I am, I know. So I loved being terrified. I was more scared during one of the trailers. The I think it's called Come Play for a new movie that's coming out. Yeah. For with a ch- The main character is a child who's being hunted by a demon or something. And he's, he has nonverbal autism, I believe, which is horrifying. Mm. I have because not seen it's, that it's, yet, but I'm very interested now. No, because the the premise is that the main character is someone who can't convey that he's being hunted, which is terrifying. Oh, yeah, that's really And cool. it's like your this child is being hunted. It was like a great trailer. I was like, what the heck is this? I want to watch this. Yeah, no shit. I'm in for that. Not this. This didn't scare me at all. No. So you guys love horror movies. You watch them even when they're bad. But no, this this didn't do it for you at all. Oh, all right. I, I, I love a bad horror movie. Are you kidding me? Same. No. No, but this this is not there. All right, so I guess we're skipping ahead to like a bit of a review of the performances because we look. I mean, we got a really cool cast assembled for this, and maybe that that's why our expectations are a little higher than maybe they should have been. But they they tried to cast ethnically authentic actors in the roles here. Can we give them a little credit for that at least? We have- only. I have to complain yeah. about the casting for Roberto because he is dark skinned in the oh, comics. Oh, I did not uh. know that. And Boone specifically said he doesn't care about the uh, racial tensions happening in Brazil. Oh, that's nice of him. And that's why he cast, um, I, what's the actor's name? Who did Roberto? Yes. Uh, Henry Zaga. Yeah, he, he said himself, like, it's kind of like he said, I believe the direct quote was, um, I just cast someone who I thought was representative of Brazil. And it's like, maybe if he didn't exist, then I could have found a dark-skinned re- actor who would have been perfect for Roberto. But it said it was Zaga. Oh, so more reasons to be in the Josh Boone fan club there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I personally wanted to give props, and I thought it was, I mean, even before I knew anything about the, the origin of the characters and the, in the, how they are in the comics, mm-hmm. Blue Hunt being casted as Daniel Moonstar, who's the main character of this, I was, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That was cool to see mm-hmm. that she got this opportunity and she got that casting, and it was a Native American story, and she's a Native American actress, so I was all props to that but obviously hearing this now about the roberto character i I guess it's one step forward two steps back in that way Mm -hmm. i just want to know with blue hunt is if she filmed this or was this before or after she did another life which was the netflix space show 
that was Which terrible. You, you were like the only person on the internet who talked about that show, right? <laughs> yes, it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. The characters are so unlikable. So you have you have a, a, a precursor to this, so having unlikable characters and people that you can't relate to at all and have no reason to care about if it's that show and this one. So maybe it's just a bad string of uh, casting roles for Blue Hunt there. Yeah, and she's not a bad actress. Like, I would say that they just kept giving her bad lines, at least in Another Life. Like, the, the writing was terrible in Another Life. I don't think she's a bad actress. I don't think Anya Taylor-Joy is either, but this is far and away the worst performance I've ever seen from her. See, I thought she did the best job out of all the um uh, Did memes. you? I think she did the best job, but I understand why, considering what else I've seen her do, this was definitely her barely trying. But everything she did with Lockheed... Like her talking to Lockheed, that felt really natural, and I know that that's not easy to do. Her talking shit to the blue char- to uh, Blue Hunt's character mm-hmm. at the ver- like her, I I just didn't buy her in Thoroughbreds. I totally bought her as this like manipulative, conniving, borderline evil person. Yes. In this movie, when she was trying to play tough and be like this badass at the beginning, I just I just didn't see that. And I know she's capable of being yeah. somebody that seems authentically dislikable. So that I was a little let down. But she wasn't mm-hmm. your like best of the worst though, Mike, like the tallest jockey in the, you know, horse stable there or n- not even. Like who did I get the most joy out of seeing play their role? Yeah, because yes. I have her as my MVP of this cast. I know, you know, Wojciech yes. Weischer, our buddy from Poland there, was saying the same thing. Like her character was kind of the coolest. She had the most VFX. She had the wackiest backstory that we'll get into in a minute. So I was like, all right, she's the best of the worst. But her character was the coolest. I will agree with yes. that a hundred percent. And it's I'm not, I'm not saying she did a terrible job because I don't think. Anya Taylor-Joy is capable of being a bad performer at all, but I just seeing, knowing what she's done otherwise in her career and then seeing this, I thought it was kind of like a wake-up call, but the the most awesomely bad for me is everything having to do with Macy Williams' character. Awful. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. The way she was written, the way she was treated, I t- hated all of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's, uh, is it Charlie Heaton? Is that his name? Yes, Stranger Things. I'm sorry. I think I think he was too focused on doing the Southern accent. And so a lot of his line delivery was just not up to par. I, I was just could like, totally agree. There with was that. very little acting. And have you gotten into, I know you're, you're starting acting, uh, Amanda. And if you don't mm-hmm. want to talk about this. No, we can, can talk about this. this. Okay. I, I know you're starting acting classes yourself. And you say this is a big dream of yours. You seem to say, say that having a relationship with somebody on camera is the most difficult part for you? Um, well, what do you mean by that? Or at least making that seem natural. And you you appreciated how Anya Taylor-Joy seemed natural in doing that in this movie. Well, I think that a lot of acting, especially is, you know, it's rea- it's having someone to have someone react to you. Like, and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of acting is, is you're just reacting to what someone is giving you, basically. And so, like, yeah, you have lines and all of that, but if no one's reacting to you, then you have to visualize everything. And so for her to have these reactions and talking to a puppet that's not going to react to her and having that seem like something natural, like, oh, she's genuinely thinks this thing is talking to her. She's having Mm. a conversation with this hand puppet. And then having that be like a normal part of like, I'm this cool character. I think that's difficult to do. And that gave you a greater appreciation than Charlie Heaton's forced, I'm from Kentucky, I'm a good old boy. (laughs) Yes. I understand that. All right. I can I can be brought over by that argument. But he did have that hat. That was a trucker hat. It was from <laughs> Kentucky, guys. That's how you know he's from the South, you see. All right. Well, we're going to get into spoilers in a minute. But I, I guess, did the VFX work for you guys at all? Did any of the production values work for you? I, I kind of feel myself that this movie was shot to 
Josh Boone's neutering, right? Like he had this very passive <laughs> production, and then they kind of fixed a lot of stuff and post too much stuff to where the performances are also a bit neutered, like you're saying. So, what did you think of of the VFX? I mean, I think the visual effects that they gave us. I mean, I don't want to go into spoilers, but like, can I talk about the bear? We can cut this if we're not ready to talk no, about you, this. There's, there's oh, a bear. There's a yeah. There's, there's a, bear a bear all over this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. Like, towards the end, the bear looked cool, okay? But then I feel like the most important scene, like, the most integral scene at the end of this movie, Mm -hmm. the bear suddenly looked infinitely worse. I have the exact same criticism for one of the big bad, the smiley man character we referred to a couple times. Mm -hmm. Like, when, when we don't see much of him, it's fine. When we see him in broad spotlight, I thought it was... VFX to death. It was pretty obvious that he's not a real character. Mm-hmm. So what was supposed to salvage the film ruined it for both of you. And on that note, I think uh, we both, we all three of us, we say don't watch this movie. <laughs> I mean, as far as the visual effects go, I wanted more of Limbo. Limbo looked yeah. cool. I wanted way more of that. I did like, I don't want to get into spoilers, but the Limbo looked cool. Well, we should get into spoilers then, though. Let's... Uh, Let's tell people not to see this movie and to keep listening, even though Mike's going to do his spiel in a second. But keep listening as we go into the spoiler section because this movie's awesomely bad and who cares about the spoilers? So here it comes. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. This is the spoiler section for the movie The New Mutants, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have Amanda from Swell Entertainment joining us again on her second run-through with MMO. She was here previously for Film Sets from Hell with Swell when we were talking about disastrous film productions, and because of that, we're reviewing New Mutants, and make all of that what you want with that information as you will. But if you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go check it out. We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play on. If you've seen the movie already, if you want to hear our thoughts, or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much, as also Mike must have done in that outro of the non-spoiler section, this is where you want to be all spoilers all the time from here on out. The New Mutants, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar with Amanda from Swell Entertainment. Michael, let's talk about bears and bear necklaces and bear tracks and bears <laughs> and beats in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. The biggest spoiler, too, right off the bat, because we have Danielle Pennywise, the clown Moonstar. Basically, this entire <laughs> oh yeah, this entire story is built on the reveal of her superpower, kind of that you know sixty percent point in the movie of whenever she falls asleep, she becomes Pennywise the clown and torments all of the other characters in this story. Did this work for you at all, Amanda? Did it even work as a reveal? No! Because they made it very clear from the intro of her character, the opening of the movie. It was growling. Okay, great. So it was alive. Now this is a living organism we have to deal with now. Great. This will come back later. So are we to believe that her whole Native American tribe was actually massacred by 
her bear that was her who did that yes see that's the thing they don't explain because she it's a manifestation of her fear i believe that's that's her fear is the bear so what was it that triggered her fear enough to kill her whole tribe (laughs) we never know yeah that's that's what i'm like okay so this is her fear her fear so she's just like are you honestly telling me the main character of this movie the whole conceit of her constitution is just this woman fears bears and we just have to buy that as true. Well, it's a very no spe- you don't understand. It's a demon bear. It's very specific. <laughs> demon bear. It's not just bears. Demon bear from the scariest you know going to bed story ever told by the father. Who <laughs> oh God, was- seriously. <laughs> so this is her father's fault. This whole yes. movie is her father's fault. I guess. Now, okay, good. <laughs> I wanted to kind of lead you guys along this line of questioning, so I'll just I'll forget it and I'll just say, all right, here it is. I. F- felt like a bad person going into the spoiler review because when I watched this movie, I agreed wholeheartedly with the Alice Braga character. And I felt very, very guilty about that. Do you guys <laughs> do you guys come over to the other side of the fence with me and agree with her character? Maybe with the exception of what she does at the end. But I'm like, well, I'm watching this and I'm like, I agree with, I'm a corporate chill now. I agree with what this corporation <laughs> is doing. These kids are a, a, a absolute terror to society they've each killed okay, their own okay. family well, yeah well let's let's break that down a little bit so the whole premise of why all of these particular mutants are there is that they've all killed at least one person whether they were related to them or not mm, right. and then with the exception of eliana who's killed several people apparently <laughs> willingly right. and then you have danielle who killed her whole tribe mm-hmm. everyone else killed like one person and then charlie heaton's character whose name i forgot sam sam yes Kentucky yes Joe. he Yes, he had an anxiety attack and accidentally killed his father and a bunch of people in a mine. And yeah, they're all there. Which I I mean, I understand there are certain mutants where it's certain powers. You know, you need a little more TLC. They need to learn how to control things. But this was a weird, it's like they didn't, I don't know. It feels like the premise for that. They didn't flesh out what that meant. You know what this felt like? This felt like some, like if I was talking to one of you guys Mm -hmm. off mic and I was like, I got this idea for this movie. It's all going to be an allegory for puberty. And I just laid out the most basic, the first thought that came to my mind on how I can relate puberty to mutant powers. And no rewrites or advancements or critical thinking was ever put into it more than this initial conversation. And that was turned into a movie for 67. Yeah, like there was a, there was like a bullet point for each character of like, here's what this means. And then next. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly that. And there's no reason to care about these characters. There's no backstory to really anyone but the Danny character. The love story. We got a lesbian love story, which is like cool to see in a Marvel movie, but it feels so forced to me. There's no reason. Like the reason that Rain and Danny fall in love is because Rain was nice to Danny. That's the justification for this love story. And even story then, that we're like when they do like kiss for the first time, it just seems like, oh, Danny just suddenly realizes she can kiss girls now. Whereas, right. like, whereas Rain is like clearly very into her from the start. Like, oh, okay, like fixing her hair. Right. Like, I did like those little intricacies she added in. But then when Danny's like, okay, I'm going to kiss her now, like, it just seems so out of left field. Agree. A hundred percent agree. Like, it feels like there was no, it was a base level, a dude writing these characters, mm-hmm. which is essentially what it was. And it's like, this is all I want to do. And I'm going to have, when one character has the allegory for his first pr- passionate hookup, it's going to be, he's going to get literally hot and steamy in the water. When another character has her first period, she's going to literally have blood droplets appear on her arm. It was just so like, my God, these metaphors feel like they were written by a high school yeah. student. So if I try to heroically play devil's advocate to you both here. Do it. Go for it. 
guys, I don't know if you know this, but there are two bears. And <laughs> one... <laughs> no, so, all right. So this is the, obviously it doesn't work. They spend like I think in terms of fixing this script is where you know I wanted to have another leading question. Wait, 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 wait. Is Danny the other bear? Is that what I'm supposed to be getting from this? <laughs> She's the good bear. Is she? <laughs> Maybe. If you guys were to rewrite this script, you would have all the Pennywise the Clown stuff right at the beginning, and you wouldn't have 40 minutes of half breakfast club nonsense, half one flew over the cuckoo's nest nonsense building up to that reveal in the middle of the movie and then playing it out in one quick sequence, really. The horror horror elements of the story play out in like 20 minutes as far as I'm concerned. Amanda's going to answer that question seriously, so I just want to jump in and say if I were to rewrite this, my rewrite would be looking at this movie in the Disney studios and saying we can't release this. Because it just, it just like functionally and fundamentally doesn't work. I'm amazed this made it to theaters and not Disney Plus. And I, I understand that was maybe probably a contractual issue where they had to put it in theaters. But again, I say the pandemic may have been the best thing that could have happened for this movie because of lack of competition. Otherwise, I don't know why anyone would see this. But in all sincerity, I want to hear what Amanda's fixing. <laughs> so I think first and foremost, if you're going to have a team up movie, especially your first one, okay, introducing new characters, mm-hmm. you need a clear villain. And this film does not have that. That is for sure. You need a clear villain. Okay, let's use Avengers as an example. We have Loki. Okay, what's the issue? None of these characters really like each other. None of them want to work together to defeat this clearly common evil. Okay, that gets figured out by the end. Loki is defeated moving forward. You don't really have that here. You have the doctor who's like, okay, she's like shady, but she's not really doing enough to be the main villain. And then when she does become the villain, she's gone immediately. Their fears aren't given enough attention to be the main villains. And then Danny's not even really the main bil- villain. The bear isn't the main villain. It's just like, who is in charge here? Who Who is like, okay, you are going to be the villain in this scene. And then in this scene, you're the main issue. And then in this scene, you're the main villain. Like, we need a clear issue that needs to be tackled. And Dr. Reyes, even when she is the main villain, is terrible at her job. Yes. Because if I was to kill someone without letting them know... And I had them strapped to a table, and I was going to inject. Oh, you don't them. want a monologue. Gonna... You're not going to take the yeah. time to monologue. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them this story about this dog that had to be put down. And by the way, you're the dog. You're feral. <laughs> I know your thoughts can manifest into all the evils of the world. <laughs> oh my god! Everyone in our enclosed area. Just inject her. What was okay? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. What was Reyes's fear though? Tell you while because you're was her fear because. Like, it was my understanding when she was first, like, dosing up Danny, trying to do the hypnosis thing, okay? When she sees the um, the hospital with all the other kids and they're experimenting on the kids, is that Reyes's fear that she sees? That's a lot more thought put into it than I think the screen Because I was under the impression that Re never got... Re- I mean, unless Reyes's fear was a wolf child clawing her face off, I didn't think we saw Reyes's fear. Then why did Danny see that then? Because it was Reyes' memory. Great question. Why was Anya Taylor-Joy being haunted by smiley skeleton men? Okay, well... I mean, there's a lot of questions. I mean, my um, interpretation of that, because she said they they made us cry and it made them smile, I assume she was in an (laughs) orphanage and those are the people at the orphanage. And so that's why when it goes to her bed and she's gone, it's pissed off because she's escaped the orphanage. That was my interpretation. (laughs) Wait, 
So those skeleton smiley men. Yes, where it's it's incorporated a, she, a business. No, 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 no. Okay, no, 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 no. Because just like Limbo, because Limbo wasn't a real place. That's just where we went, and then it became real. Yep. Her fear is the manifestation of putting these very scary monsters onto these actual people that work at the orphanage. So it's like the monster under your bed yes. type thing when she's a kid. She's created okay. the smiley men. Pedophiles. Yes. Basically. That's what I was thinking. I was like, was she abused as a kid? And this was her like manifestation of it. Yes. But there wasn't enough evidence of that. So I, that explanation makes better sense than what I was thinking. See, that's the thing. They didn't give enough time to any of the fears. And then also the fears are so all over the place, like how they manifest for each of the characters that like I don't fully understand Danny's powers. I don't fully understand, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy's magic powers. Like she is able to go to another dimension but yet she can't break out of this prison oh uh, yeah i don't get that <laughs> strong barriers and then she's saying like yeah fire boy let's you know let's go in the okay. pool was that her though because listen okay was she uh... ever even in the pool because her we know when she teleports there's a bright blue flash the lights are out mm-hmm. he would have seen that even in You're the right. pool mm-hmm. So you're was right. that That's even ex- her? Because yep. then it cuts to her being there. And then when he does confront her, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not like the taunting. Yeah. I wasn't in the pool. She genuinely doesn't know what he's talking about. And if it wasn't her, I mean, it, it kind of does. It has to not be her because that's the only explanation for having that firewoman come out of the pool mm-hmm. and start walking towards him. And if it wasn't her, it fits the, again, very high school-esque written allegory of the siren in the water trying to lure him in straight out of the you know Greek mythology. So I, I, that's kind of how I interpret it, that it wasn't actually her myself. But then even then, why does Danny's like fear magic power, whatever the heck that is, why does that pick her versus like, oh, it's just him imagining his girlfriend, you know? Because then the the firewoman that comes out of the pool is probably going to be his girlfriend because that was his fear as he burned up his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So why is it manifesting itself as her in the first place? And the answer to that would be the allegory of the siren, I guess, because yeah. it has to do something. I mean, that's exactly what it was. If that wasn't actually Anya Taylor-Joy's character, it was somebody just to draw him in the pool. And he was drawn to the pool by his sexual desire for Anya's character. Mm-hmm. And we're not getting the will they or won't they, what was it, uh, Rogue and the Iceman from the original trilogy. I think it's mm-hmm. been different characters uh, yeah. throughout the comics but uh, that, that was like my favorite part that was the one thing i was clinging to that was gonna be a best scene for me i was like all right we got a y18 romance and actually I, i'm actually curious about that you know the two romances in this movie but okay so all right so that's kind of the major plot lines uh, i guess we can go into some best and worse i'm guessing a lot of worse so amanda do you have any other best that you wanted to get through in this story before we head into go down the darker path I mean, Ileana fighting the giant bear by herself with Lockheed, I wish like I wish I could have seen that on a better screen because I'm sure it looked cooler with a sharper image versus projected onto a giant billboard in the middle of a parking lot. Because um, like just looking at it, I was like, oh, she's like fighting in between limbo and the like the hospital they're in, like fighting back and forth. And that just looked cool. But then it happens so quickly in a way where it's like, she at one point she's like Lockheed. And I was like, okay, what happened to Lockheed? I don't know what happened. And then Lockheed's actually fine because in the final scene you see her holding the puppet. So nothing happened to Lockheed. I, I agree. That did look very cool. That's one of my best as well. And I, I, I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> Baby dragon. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm easy to please. I mean, I was not expecting the baby dragon. I just assumed she was talking to a puppet this whole time. And it's like, oh, it's like the same thing. But no, she made the baby dragon. Okay, cool. 
there's no explanation given for any, like when when Danny is able to to calm the bear down at the end, mm-hmm. which was the pivotal scene you were referring to, Amanda, which did not look it good. It looks so I bad. I just I started yeah. laughing. I was like, oh my god, I see an outline around Danny. Like I, see- I wholeheartedly am with you. I thought it looked not good at all. But like these things happen that there's no explanation. There's no, we don't see her practice that. Here's the explanation. Practice her honing her ability. Here's the explanation because this was supposed to be a (laughs) 1980s movie and A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. You you heard all the references and the influences on this. It's a 1980s movie. The hero, all she has to do is wake up, right? All she has to do is wake (laughs) up to save the movie. If it was a 1980s movie, they were just going to give her some cocaine and she would wake up. (laughs) (laughs) They can't do that now that they put this forward into a modern day uh, film. Timeline. Oh my god. Just saying. Okay, but it was the scene. The scene was very like ref. It, like the first thing I thought of was Moana when she goes to Tafiti, and I believe that's how you pronounce the spirit that she calms, like the ocean monster. But she just goes and is singing, and she like just gives the heart of the ocean. Or I'm forgetting the entire plot of Moana right now. I feel so bad. <laughs> um, but she just like it was referenced. Like that's what I thought of. I was like. Did they just recreate the final scene of Moana? <laughs> and it was like, because it's like, it's like, okay, here's this tiny human essentially confronting this giant monster type of thing. And suddenly this thing is like obeying and listening and not attacking her because they're just talking to them. Is there any way that bear could have worked? I mean, earlier, maybe. If it wasn't the final battle, but I mean, I, that's what we needed for her character based on what we were given from the movie was for her to overcome her own fear, which she didn't even fully realize was her fear, but it was herself. That was her fear, I'm assuming, her powers. So basically, this in terms of story structure, you guys would have pushed all this up. That would have been the mid-movie event, and we would have fought the uh, the corporation or whoever the overlord bad guy was for the rest of the movie. We would have had the It Chapter 2 horror movie stuff actually work and, and, and lean into that for the first half. And then the last half, we're fighting the big bad and it turns into an X-Men movie. Am I wrong in saying that that would have been the way to rewrite this? Yeah, just something, you know, just something where it was, again, a unifying force. Like, okay, they fight the bear. They realize, hey, we can all work together. And then they work together to defeat the corporation. Right. I wonder if Storm was supposed to be the big bad at the original, because we had that story about how Storm was supposed to be basically the warden for all these kids, and and Storm was supposed to be a giant, you know, lack of a better word, an asshole to the kids. So Mm. I wonder if she was supposed to be the big bad that is overcome at the end. Isn't that what Reyes is, though? Uh, Yeah. I I mean, that's... But Reyes could have been a big bad, and she could have been fine. And I actually liked the twist, and I had it as... I don't know if it was one of my best, but I liked, I appreciated the twist that these kids needed to hone their powers and the twist that Reyes wasn't working for the X-Men. She was turning these kids into super soldiers to fight the X-Men. I kind of liked that. I thought that was Oh, I, I thought cool. that was really clear from the start. I was like, she's too, there's no, there's no, there's no outside there's influence. something up with her. Yeah, like there was nothing yeah. that would imply that this is anything but a terrible situation for Danny to be in. Right, right. I mean, I, I knew there was something up with her. I didn't know they were going all the way there, but I, I agree. There was definitely, they make it clear that you're not supposed to trust Reyes at any point. Yeah. Reyes is the android from Alien, right? She is out of the picture at the three-quarter mark so that the monster can fight the hero at the end, and that doesn't work. It should have been a minimal. And she has attempt. the power to beat these kids herself. Okay, also, question, really quick, because at one point, when after Rain attacks her, she drops something. And it's zoomed in on, so we were like, okay, this is important. And at first I thought, oh, that must, like, give her her power. She's not actually a mutant. This is just something that, like, 
you know, she has been given to control these kids. But then when they find her in the, the infirmary or whatever, and she uses her powers, she's able to use her powers. So what the heck was that that she dropped? It looks I'm, like a pendant or something. She should have just used one of those orange force field balls and squeezed Blue's head like a zit to stop this movie. <laughs> How dumb was it of her? Because I was like, oh, this is so stupid. She's taking way too long to unzip that body bag in plain view of Danny. Uh, like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? of the movie for me. Because, yeah, I mean, she, she knows that these powers manifest while this girl is sleeping. And while this girl is being put to sleep, she tells her of all these things that she's going to do, which, of course, will manifest her own powers. What, what is she doing? Yeah, I have no idea what the pendant was. Now that you, It's something that I saw, obviously, and I just paid it no mind whatsoever. But you're absolutely right. It has to be something of importance. So not a great job there by the editing department. Um, and as far as Ray is just missing, being a missed opportunity... Yes, yeah, she's laughable. I mean, she's like a caricature of a bad guy with that monologue mm-hmm. that we all made fun of her for already. And the fact that she is completely capable of stopping these kids with one move. She's literally only be eaten by the bear. Yeah. I mean, she's beaten and taken out by the bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have liked to see an actual conflict between her and the kids. Yeah. Other than just them drugging her. But then also, like, I'm sorry, when the reveal is like she gets the word to kill Danny and there's like a moment of conflict within herself and then she just types in her code and it's done I lost like any respect I had for her as a character even as a villain like she just seemed like a weak character to me at that point because it's like oh okay you're just answering to a higher power this isn't even your call of like oh Danny's dangerous Mm -hmm. like you're just like okay Sure, I'll do this. Yeah, she was definitely a means to an end. Mm-hmm. She didn't have... But but I felt that way about every... Like, I didn't feel any character was substantiated. Maybe, maybe Danny a little bit, and maybe Anya Taylor-Joyce a little bit, but only because she had the most interesting backstory that they, of any ones they gave us. Cannonball never really honed any of his characters whatsoever. He just kind of threw himself around, and it was like, okay, cool, this works. I'm done. He never learned how to steer. He just <laughs> kind of kept throwing himself around. Also, does he heal quickly? I'm very confused. Why would he heal quickly? What am I missing? Well, because he, she, Rain himself says like, oh no, he, I think sometimes he's just trying to hurt himself. And then we see him punching himself in the face with his powers in the bathroom, which is clearly him, his guilt over killing his father and killing so many people. But then like some of the injuries he takes, I mean, slamming into the pavement is going to do a hell of mm. a lot more than break your arm. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm very confused by how he takes pain and how he survives all of this. That's an interesting differentiation because I guess my in my head, I've always just figured anyone that can fly and turns into a color just automatically, if they're that color, never feels pain because I've seen so many superheroes crash into things over the years and they never really address any kind of anything coming out of it unless it has to do with the scene where they you know have to crash into a stop and get ready for the big confrontation. But the entire time we see him is him right. crashing into something. Even when he takes out the Smile Man, yeah. he's crashing into walls and like clearly right. lost control again. Hmm. It's interesting. All I know is, is that if you're a metaphor for premature ejaculation, then <laughs> there's a baby dragon in this movie, guys. There's a baby dragon. <laughs> Josh Boone really hit all the highlights in this one. <laughs> Okay, 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 wait, 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 wait. So what was the metaphor for Danny that we assigned her? Just fear of growing up? What is that? Because, like, as you get older, your fear gets bigger? No, Danny had to be a a girl getting her first period and her body changing. Because she literally has blood 
appear oh, on sense. her at one point, which is the high school writing of this. And then she's getting used to her power. She doesn't know what it is yet. What are all these new changes I'm feeling, et cetera, et cetera. Maisie Williams is puberty. Pure puberty. Yes. Oh, I would say werewolf. I would say becoming aware of your sexuality because it's like her. Because yeah. she goes to the priest. The priest calls her a witch, beats her up. You know, and like being attracted to the same her the fact that she's into women. You know, I felt like that was very coded. I think that makes Good, a lot of sense. Mike and I have no sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> it goes over our heads. <laughs> All right. So what about uh, we had the premature ejaculator and Charlie Heaton's character, which is just straight Catholic <laughs> guilt. Um, she goes to confession and there's no priest. That's Catholic guilt. OK, that's it's clear Catholic guilt. She's assigning herself Hail Marys. Yes, this is Catholic guilt. <laughs> the guy turning into fire has got to be uh, like I, I'm trying to think of a lighter way to say i mean he literally killed somebody when he was like making out with them you know and he literally started steaming when he was making out with anya taylor joy in the pool or who we thought was anya taylor joy at the time who we think isn't now so it's got to have... talk in the beginning too because he's t- he's joking with danny like oh hopefully she's a, a nymph yeah, like clearly right. i don't know just being a teenage boy like i don't know what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the worst toxic version of being a, a, a horny dude would have worked much better in an 80s movie that's all i can say <laughs> All right, uh, guys, do you have any more worst scenes? I know we kind of went naturally transitioning from best to worst. Uh, Any more final, final worst scenes before we close this thing up? Uh, The confronting in the, um, like, the hangout room when she's like, I know bitches like you, like, that whole fight scene. That just seemed very reminiscent of, God, what scene was it in X-Men First Class? When they're, like, all hanging out and then one of them gets killed. I was like, were you trying to do that? Because that seems... Oh, Darwin gets killed. The scene when they're at the safe house? Yes. Like, that just seemed like they were trying to reminisce that. Like, oh, they're, like, having a good time. And then this all goes south really quickly. I don't know. I feel like I'm missing X-Men first class scenes, but. They were trying to have a nod to the the big boy franchise, and it just kind of fell flat. Yeah. It's sad because this is done well in other movies. Like, it can handle it. Like, it has, you know, plenty of scenes with the group just having fun, and then it's a crazy-ass horror movie. And The Goonies, I I know, Mike, you don't love that movie, but that makes it work. And, you know, so, like, The Breakfast Club, a John Hughes-style hangout movie, and then a horror movie on top of that. We've seen that work before as a fusion. I don't think this had enough of either element, though. Like, it wasn't a full... It didn't have enough YA elements. It didn't have enough, like, coming-of-age movie elements. And it, what it did have, it tried to wind in with horror and make it an allegory for puberty, like you're saying. But then even then, the horror elements fell flat. So there's not enough of anything in this to make it decent... If that makes sense. Yeah, and they couldn't reshoot it either because everybody went from prepubescent to full beard. <laughs> and right. full, you know, because they <laughs> took so who, long. Who would you have added, though? Because they were going to do reshoots and add a whole other character. Who do you think that would have been? If we're not counting Storm. The weirdest Jesus character Christ. that I saw was like a troll boy in the comics. And he was it, like, let's just put it this way. There's a... There's a boy, and he looks like a troll in the panels that I saw, the, the artwork. So I would say troll boy. <laughs> what an answer. Not, not, not a villain. <laughs> just like troll boy. <laughs> just, just for comedic effect and alleviation. Frog boy. Yes. Frog boy, troll boy, something like that. But he looked I don't looked know. Funny. What do you got, Amanda? Who would you add? I mean, I'm, I still think a villain. I just think we need a more clear villain. That's not like, okay, let's make Reyes more of a villain. Nothing with the company, like, or whatever the hell it is. 
but just something that's more of an actual human being or an actual monster villain. That's like, I don't know, someone who's attacked. Like, the bear is more of a threat the entire time. Like, the bear never leaves the property. It keeps making breaches. She keeps keeping it up. So that way they have no choice but to keep Reyes alive because she's the one who keeps the barrier going back up. And then the bear keeps coming in and is, like, trying to hunt down the mutants. So the bear is like an, a looming threat for the entire movie, and then they actually confronted it. At the yeah, end. that's I, the only thing I can think of. I agree. That would have made a lot more sense. I was thinking something if they if the corporation had a figurehead, like because I know I don't remember which movie it was from. I think it was from Fox, Marvel, but there was the uh, the post credit scene. Maybe it was of the last X Men was alluding alluding to Mister Sinister, which was one of the big bads in the X Men universe. Mm-hmm. So I, if if he was in charge of making this group of super soldiers. You don't need to have him, but maybe like his second or third in command. That's actually Reyes's boss. But I absolutely agree with what Amanda's saying. I mean, this thing needed some kind of big bat. It needed its Thanos for everyone to rise up against and, and beat. It needed its Loki, like she said. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. It didn't need the bear from The Revenant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we rewrote it. So I don't know why it took them so long. We did it in one, one hour. Pop. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I do have a question, though, for both of you. What would mm-hmm. you have for an end credit scene? It doesn't have to be foreshadowing for another movie, but what would you have for an end credit scene? I'm kind of liking this troll boy Mike's been throwing around. (laughs) (laughs) They meet troll boy at a diner. Okay, I was going to say a diner too, like just go full shawarma, like no actual thing for the plot. But it's Mm -hmm. just them, because again, most of them have been in a hospital for however many months, you know. But it's like, oh, the nearest town's 20 miles. They wander in. They've been trekking through the woods, Okay. And it's just like, hey, we want to be served. We have no money. <laughs> now, do they meet someone? Because that could have been a cool way to tie it in, too, if there happened to be somebody sitting in the diner. It's just secretly Bucky Barnes on his road trip because <laughs> he's been through so much. And then suddenly you have an Avengers X-Men crossover. Cynically, I want them to turn into a, a group of supervillains after this yes! movie. So I would like them to walk into said diner, rob it, <laughs> kill all the people, and then eat whatever there you they go. want. They I just like that. Find Storm and murder her in the post-credit scene. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. I didn't, didn't need to go that far. But. I just want more cool villain movies. I feel like they keep being yeah. done poorly. Yeah, this was uh, this was definitely not it. I completely no. agree, and it was a, a big missed opportunity, but. Hey, at least it brought us some laughs, if nothing else. Especially since the corporation is essentially trying to train killers and wants villains. Then why not make that a bigger element? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it just, it writes itself. Um, it, it's bizarre that you would have that hanging over the movie and then never have a conduit for it. Yeah. Like, Reyes has to be talking to somebody. She's getting these emails from somebody, even if it's not the big head boss guy. There's got to be somebody in the background. But... It's just even just like even just like one video call she could take and right. that would like tie it into something right. like just give us an actual person to look at versus text on a screen and this was this was originally pitched as a trilogy and it's where where do you go what, what was this what would the trilogy be so now they're going to be on the run from the cops is that the next trilogy? Well, the, it's 20 miles to the next town unless she's lying yeah i think they were kind of building some of this storyline towards like what we ended up getting in logan so i don't know if they had like a project x involved here like this is where project x was i don't know but i just think they they kind of got mixed up and then basically what disney said at the end of it is like all right just take the bare bones of this do the best you can with that but you can't draw from anything else because we're trying to distance ourselves from all that because we want to do it fresh with the mcu yeah. you know do you think they spelled bare bones b-e-a-r bones and they were like put a winky emoji in the <laughs> yes yes i do 
no question. So we're getting towards the end of this. We have rewritten New Mutants in our vision, which is, of course, the perfect and right vision. Some might even say the swellest vision. Oh, God. Amanda, <laughs> you have something yes. very important you need to uh, school us on, though. Um, so one of the creators of the New Mutant comics is, I believe, Bob McLeod. And he publicly said that he was done with the movie and he wasn't going to talk about the movie anymore for various reasons, talking about the, the appearances of some of the characters. Um, in the comic books, Danielle Moonstar has braids, which are traditional for uh, her tribe and all of that. And again, talking about the lightening of the skin tone for Roberto. Um, but something else, apparently, in the title cards, Bob McLeod is who's credited and not Bob McLeod. They got his name wrong? They got his name wrong. He's not oh happy about it. God. He's like, that can't be fixed. So We can't. They had 17 <laughs> years. They had 17 years to get this right yeah. in production. What are we doing giving Josh Boone more properties? Like, I, I'm sorry, but you can't. You can only screw up so many times. If the, the not whitewashing, but whatever the equivalent of that is, isn't enough. And if the disregarding of the, the Danny character's heritage isn't enough there, and you're just going to completely insult the man that's really behind all, what, what more does he have to prove to not be trusted in his next endeavor? I don't know. <laughs> Did he really, like, the only thing I can think of is, like, because he himself said, apparently, like, what about this where he was like, I felt neutered for the first, sh like, when they were doing production. What could they really have been doing? that stifled his creative his creativity for this project or his ability to make this film other than saying hey we just want you to amp up the fact that they're teenagers right if they leaned into the horror like they said i just i really want to see what the non ya edition of this looks like because this still had plenty of i mean this felt like i was watching this should be on freeform yeah Okay, so in an awkward edit where we argued about the pronunciation of Bob McCloyd or McLeod, and I had forgotten what I was going to say, but now I remember it. And no, I just forgot it. Oh, my God! <laughs> Recording's going to oh, take three fucking days. All right, I got it, I got it, I got it. Mike made a new enemy of the podcast, uh, formed a new grudge, and Swell, I think uh, you're in, in, in line with him that we all have a grudge now against Josh Boone. So thanks for that, Mike. We're never going to get to interview any actual Hollywood people. Oh, I'll never work on a Josh Boone film. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah, Amanda's, Amanda's actually in the industry, so we're hurting her more than anybody. We're just in two guys in Connecticut, Mike. This is, this is basically a sabotage effort to sink her career before it starts. So good job by us there. And by association, Swell, you can know you cannot act in a horse movie because you yes, know Mike Yes, I have a thing against that, so... If in you would please movies? avoid all. Yeah, I horse love horses. Movies. Beautiful animals. Just stay away from them in movies. Okay, I'll avoid all horse girl casting calls from now on. Thank just you. for you. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. <laughs> and Josh Boone movies. Right. right. There we That's go. It. Narrowing Don't it down. Now, Amanda, thank you very, very much for joining us for these two episodes. This was a ton of fun. And thank you for your insight, as always. I, I loved having you on just selfishly because I love watching your videos where you do talk about movies because I know how passionate you are about them. So it was a ton of fun for me and I know for Mike as well to interact with you and doing that and talking about this with you. Yeah, thank you totally. again for having me. It's fun talking to you guys. All right, yeah, thanks again and we will uh, we'll see you next time and hopefully there will be a next time, Amanda. Yep, thank you. Thank you, Amanda. 
Yeah, as we told Amanda when we were saying our goodbyes off, Mike, we are incredibly lucky that, especially lately with guests, uh, everyone we've talked to has been so prepared and is so professional and, and does their homework and is so nice and ready to come on and contribute. And uh, it truly is our honor to host someone like Amanda, who is so good at what she does. Uh, we cannot thank her enough uh, for coming on here these last two episodes like she has and talking and really just having fun and shooting the shit and letting us kind of bask in what she does so well. So we cannot thank Amanda enough for that. Mike, tell the good people where they can find Amanda's work all over the internet. Yeah, it's very exciting for us when we can actually rejoice in the success of another person who's actually, we've come to know as a nice person, Michael, and and they deserve their success, and now that she's blowing up on YouTube, it's it's, it's really cool to see that. So, guys, not that she needs it, but follow her at L-U-V-U-2 Golka, G-O-L-K-A. That's Luvu2 Golka on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, the same screen. You know that says love you too. You know that. Oh, this has been a long day, Mike. (laughs) Luvu2 Golka. It has been a long day. You're right. You're fine. Just leave it in. Fuck it. I'm going to. Fuck it. Leave it in. I can't read. Um... Words together. Anyway, Swell Entertainment <laughs> on YouTube. I'm an idiot. Her YouTube channel is blowing up. Subscribe to her. Become one of her <laughs> legions of followers. And Legion is another X-Men something or other, correct? It's a great movie is what it is. I own it on DVD. I don't know if you Not know that, that about movie, me. But isn't Legion? Oh. No, the Legion is an <laughs> FX X-Men show. Yeah, yeah. It's also a great movie. I own it on DVD. I don't know if you knew that about me, but I have it. I'm staring at it right now. You, All the times I've had with Legion. Anyway, you don't yes, have please many, do go follow. You don't Amanda's have many notes on. to you, do you, my friend? It's a one note kind of <laughs> <follow>. experience. <laughs> I am who I am, Michael. I am as God made me. Uh, please do go fire and follow in all sincerity Amanda's work online. Thank you to her once again. If you would like to leave us a comment, question, or concern about this episode, about New Mutants in general, or about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire, we always love talking back and forth with you guys on our socials as well. You can leave us those, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially on the Apple Podcast app. If you're taking a part of your day to listen to us and Amanda enlighten you about new mutants, if you would be so kind as to go on the app, the Apple Podcast app, and leave us a five-star review as well. If you need more new mutants, Amanda did tell us that she is likely going to have a solo new mutant review episode on Squell Entertainment on YouTube at some point. She said she was thinking about doing that, and she probably will, but she's not positive yet, so go be on the lookout for that. If you're listening to this on Monday, uh, August 31st, Tuesday, September 1st, she has a fun Halloween in September video coming out on her Swell Entertainment on YouTube account as well. A couple fun things to look forward to there from Amanda. Mike, what are the good people being able to look forward to from us coming up in the near future? I'm thinking of ending things, which is a thought I have about you. Uh, what do you mean, movie? No, it's also a movie, guys. It's a movie huh? done by Charlie Kaufman, and we reviewed it. It is? We reviewed it with Andrew Morgan of the Nomcast. That is coming out Wednesday. It's already recorded. There's a huge non-spoiler section, so the review of it is actually coming out two days early because Netflix gave us early access. But look, there's an hour of listening entertainment that will not spoil you before you actually um, can see the movie on Friday. So that that's coming up. Uh, we got a deep dive for the last 30 minutes that you can click on again 
you know, click on the episode twice after you actually watch the movie, but that's coming on Wednesday. For Friday, Saturday-ish, we got a review of Tenant. We're going to do a deep dive with another special guest, and then we're going to do Mulan for the beginning of next week. So a lot of movies, Michael. This is the first of four movie reviews we are doing in a row. I, too, have been thinking of ending things. <laughs> Guys, when we are in that vein, I guess, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies, hopefully share some laughs with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.